This is manager Chris Woodward from the Texas Rangers. You're listening to the Rangers Nation podcast. This is Tim Dillard with the Texas Rangers, and you're listening to the Rangers Nation podcast. That's it. One ball, two strikes, two outs. Six to one, the Rangers lead in the top of the ninth. Feliz the high set. Here comes the pitch. Breaking ball, strike three call. The Rangers are going to the World Series. In the air, shallow right. The Texas Rangers win the pennant. Second consecutive year. Today, I consider myself the luckiest man on the face of the earth. Welcome to Rangers Nation Podcast, talking all things Texas Rangers. Rangers Nation Podcast is a part of Dallas Sports Nation, providing coverage of all your DFW sports teams. Now, here's your host, Texas Rangers blogger, the Recliner Nerd. Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to Rangers Nation's podcast. I am your host, the Recliner Nerd, and today's episode is Groobs. You know Michael Gruber as Groobs. Anybody that's been a P1 and listened to the ticket, we know Michael Gruber. He's also uh, one of the new nicknames, nicknames I have heard is the Minister of Music, which I don't know that that's official, but he's worked as an intern and board op at the ticket. He was a DJ for the Dallas Stars, the Frisco Rough Riders, and now he has moved over to the uh, entertainment game in-game entertainment guru. I don't know the official title, but he'll tell us it's Michael Gruber. Mike, what's up, man? Hey, what's going on, brother? Not much. Okay, what is the official title? I don't even know what to call it. That's honestly a good question. Like, I kind of just put music director because that was my title with the stars, and I'm basically doing the same thing, you know, playing music during the games. Uh, you know, like, I'm not having to run the mixing board or anything like that. Um, you know, Chuck originally, Chuck Morgan, uh, the last 38 years before last year had been uh, – you know, doing the PA, still doing that, but he was also playing the music and running the mixing board. Right. And with the move to the new place, uh, the new ballpark, he, you know, had always kind of had me in mind for taking over the music and the board. And then when they really kind of started looking at the new place, it made more sense to have a separate person running the mixer just because the uh, technology level has uh gone up a little bit so yeah and you're uh, yeah and it's really neat because your setup is different for you guys that are finally going to get to get out here tomorrow and i i I suggest you do it chuck's been kind of really cool about it but chuck is down in a lower section down there he's right behind home plate he's at that lower level groobs is up in the press box which is even uh, for us that are media other we're way up Look, it's nosebleed section uh, over there where we are. But you guys are separate. So I guess you guys are on a headphone the whole time talking back and forth. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Uh, We've actually got uh, little cameras set up in uh, the audio booth where me and Chuck can see each other. And then Chuck can see uh, some of the people in the control room that, uh, you know, he needs to see. And so uh, they're just the little tiny, uh, what, lipstick cameras or whatever you call them. Right. So, you know, Chuck can just give me a little, you know, finger point to let me know when he's done with an announcement or I can do the same to let him know when uh, track is run out and he can start doing a, a read. But it's also kind of telepathic anyway, because I've been going to Rangers games for so long and yeah. I've been, you know, a friend of Chuck's for a long time. And so we just kind of already know how to communicate, even though technically, you know, I'm still essentially a rookie, you know, because <laughs> last year doesn't really count as a you know, third of a season at best, but, um, yeah, man, it's, uh, 
it's really exciting. Oh, and, and, and a rookie. Gee, you've done this a long time, what you do. But, I mean, last year, I, I've got to imagine this year might be a little easier because last year you had to provide the crowd noise. And uh, and so, that, I mean, it was it was great. For those of you that, that, that you weren't there, so most fans, y'all weren't there, it sounded like a game. It was kind of weird to be there, and there was absolutely nobody but those cardboards, but you could hear plays and do that. It was crazy. But, you know, I want to get into you. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. I want to get into you. So you are a local kid, right? You were born and raised here in Dallas? Yes, sir. Uh, born, raised, and never left, as I like to say. Like, uh, <laughs> you know, I think the farthest north I've lived is Denton. The farthest east is Garland, and farthest south is uh, Cedar Hill, and then pretty much Dallas for most of that time regardless. And, uh you know, so grew up as a Rangers fan, especially, but cheered on all the local teams. So, you know, getting a chance to work for the Stars for seven seasons and uh, the Mavs for a few years and still uh, back them up. And then the Rough Riders and all that. It's uh, and then the ticket, you know, uh, that's yeah. uh, it's all just been really cool to kind of get to be the local kid that's getting to do some of these jobs like. You know, obviously there's a ton of talented people and a fair amount are still from DFW, but then, you know, there's also enough transplants where I think it still is a little bit extra cool when, you know, someone truly local gets to take, you know, a job like, you know, kind of falling in sure. Chuck Morgan's footsteps and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. I mean, that, it's fantastic. So, then, did you go to Jesuit? Is that where you went? Yes, sir. Okay. And, yes, sir. Listen, you know, he knows <laughs> I'm older than him, so I'm probably his dad's age. I don't even know. I'm polite occasionally. <laughs> so did you – now, you played baseball, right? Did you play baseball in high school? Uh, I tried to. Like, I never made varsity, but, uh, uh, you know, played JV for a couple years and then kind of became, like – student manager because I you know I loved baseball and I I knew the game well enough to be a help you know kind of that way but it was better if I wasn't on the field <laughs> now now was Brian Jones there when you were there he's the uh, he's the head baseball coach at Jesuit now no uh Kevin Williamson was the uh the head baseball coach back when I was there. Okay, because Brian is a buddy of mine that that I played against when I was a kid, and he mm. we became friends and we wor worked together a little bit before he took that gig, which is he's sitting pretty now. That's a that's a fun gig. Now let me ask you this: so Jesuit has a lot of famous people besides you that came out of there, that come out. Jordan Spieth, I know he's younger than you, mm. right? So now when you were there, was there anybody that were friends of yours that are we would know today that were pretty big names? Uh. There's three that I that tend to come to mind when, you know, that I get asked that is uh, in my class, uh, which is class of 03, was Kenny Cooper, who uh, played for FC Dallas for a time yeah. and just phenomenal soccer player. Yeah. And then uh, two guys a couple years older than me uh, played in the majors for a couple years. Uh, Michael Holloman with uh, the Detroit Tigers and then. Uh, Kevin Hart, not the uh, comedian, but right. uh, Kevin Hart, my buddy, uh, played with the Cubs and the Pirates and is now a scout for the Yankees. Um, those are kind of the three. I think uh, a year younger than me was Reggie Stevens, who played, I think, for the Cincinnati Bengals for yeah. a few years. Um, but I'd say those are kind of probably the, 
the names that people around your age would likely know. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Cause around my age, there was a guy named Mike Grimes that had gone to Jesuit yes. and ended yes. up being, yeah. So he, he played against me in the old days, you know, when we were nice. the leather helmet that whatever you want to call it. I'm just playing. <laughs> I'm, I'm an old guy here, but um, okay. So tell us about the ticket. Now look for anyone. I was a day one P one. I'll never forget driving around in my car in Fort Worth. I was working, I was selling food at the time and I kept seeing all the billboards. This was going, you weren't there day one, were you? I don't think you were there day one, but. No, I was eight, so that would have been tough. Yeah, so <laughs> but, pretty, it was pretty close afterwards. Oh, yeah. that's right, because it started in 94 and you didn't right. graduate until late. But, um, so tell me where that started. I know you started out just like an intern, right? You came in for Norm or what was the deal? Yeah, so, uh, you know, first off, I, I, knew about the ticket pretty much from day one though because my dad was listening on day one yeah. uh i haven't been able to get the audio but he claims that he was like the third caller on air with uh skip bayless that first morning <laughs> well i so, was listening so <laughs> so you might have heard him yeah if he's actually telling the truth which he's generally a pretty truthful guy in my, <laughs> my time of knowing him yeah. um but i started interning with norm uh after my junior year at jesuit actually uh, 16, about a month away from turning 17, which can't really happen now. Yeah. Um, I got lucky where one of my baseball coaches, uh, at Jesuit, Danny Lowry was a sales guy at the ticket. And I kind of just had been a P one for a few years, you know, started listening pretty hardcore, you know, freshman year or so of high school and right. was just like, I, that sounds like the greatest place ever to work, you know, and especially once I've kind of figured out what drops were and uh i just fell in love really quickly and got to thankfully a shot from uh norm to intern with him and then just kind of did what i could to stick around which uh you know included running the the board on the weekends that was that's kind of a job there that it's 24 7 like you've got to have a board operator you know at all times to make sure the thing doesn't go off the air and right all that and, you know, I wanted to be a board operator, oddly enough, because of drops and all that. And so, and so I thought that playing drops for the hard line would be the, the greatest job in the world. And I got to do that for about six of my 10 years there at the ticket and right. turned out to be pretty true. So uh, and- that's kind of the quick summary of it. But it was pretty much the perfect job for me. Uh, you know, the, that and the Rangers job are literally the only two jobs I've dreamed of doing uh, since the age of about 14. So getting to do both is uh, truly weird and surreal, but very cool. So if I remember, why did you leave? Were you in college? Is that what it was? Is that what, what got you? Is that why you left the no, ticket? No, uh, I, I loved working there, but I'd never made any money. You know, right. that just kind of comes with the territory of being a board operator. Like it's not supposed to be a, a career, you know, as fun as, that specific job is, you know, they don't make exceptions, you know, in corporate for, oh, well, the ticket does really good and it's a different thing. So we're going to pay the crews differently. It's like, no, if you're not a host, you're not making any money. And I kind of realized that I, I didn't want to leave, but it probably was going to be the right thing to do if I wanted to ever have a chance at making a living and paying rent, uh, without, (laughs) you know, going bankrupt every, uh, few months from, you know, just trying to live a somewhat normal life. And, um, you know, thankfully I'm still friends with everybody there. Sure. Uh, 
uh, still get to, you know, join in with them. Like just, uh, you know, today during the Rangers game, me and Mike Reiner were uh, joking about, or I think we're both serious, but about taking a party bus to Kansas city and catching a, a Royals game, you know? Yeah. The, I saw that y'all were tweeting that out too. Yeah. That would be, yeah. A- yeah. So, you know, we're all still friends and that's the really cool thing is, you know, uh, even though I went to college, I was never in a fraternity there, but you know, the ticket served as my fraternity and I'm still in that thankfully. So it's, it's really cool. Now, didn't you, you were roommates with some of the guys right throughout the years. Did you room with some of them? Uh, Sean Bass is, uh, the only one, but I've lived, I lived with him twice, uh, for about a year in Garland and then for about a year in North Dallas. And, uh, you know, he's probably my, he's my best friend from the ticket. Like we just, it helped that, you know, we were always kind of the youngest guys there, even though I'm now 35 and I think he just turned 39, but I was 16 when I first met him and I think he was 19 or 20. Right. So we were always like kind of getting the first shot at, you know, weekday stuff. Like, you know, he took over tickers and all that. And so, you know, we just kind of formed a really quick and easy bond. And he's just such a great guy. I know that, you know, him reasonably well too. Yeah. I love Sean, man. He came on one of the first ones to come on when this, when I, before I was starting to get people on, I had CJ on and then Sean came on. I met Sean at at the rough riders and, uh, and you know, so we, we became friends. I love Sean to death. And that podcast they do is one of my favorites. I think people think podcasters are in competition is like, no, we listen to every one of them, man. You just stop down and listen to them. They're fun to get other info and other perspectives. Now you, um, now where did you go to college? Uh, I started off uh, going to SMU like out of Jesuit and dropped out when I became full-time at the ticket at 21. Uh, and then when I left the ticket, I went to UNT for a couple semesters and uh, that flamed out pretty quick because I got the opportunities with uh, the stars and uh, Fox Sports Southwest, now Bally Sports Southwest and right. uh, working the audio board there and just uh, kind of realized like, for better or worse, I'm not a meant to be, you know, a, a business guy or, you know, sitting in a cubicle or, sure. you know, I'm not an office person. And so, you know, for better or worse, making a living in sports was going to be, you know, my path. And thankfully I've been able to, to do that and haven't burned any bridges to where I can still, you know, hopefully keep finding ways to, to stick around, but it's, it's a weird business to, to try to stay in. I, I know that. So, well, you've got way more college than me. I went to college for one semester of junior college and went, yeah, you guys don't even care if I show up. That was not good for me. So <laughs> I, I understand. Yeah. It's definitely a, I was not a good attender of classes. Like <laughs> I'm, I pretty, I probably had a few incompletes on my, uh, report cards or whatever <laughs> what, you call yeah, them. Your transcript or whatever. Yeah, if they even have transcript. those. Yeah. I don't even know what they're, I didn't, I never had one. I, I have a big nothing on there. And then I married a woman yeah. that's got a master's degree. So I, you know, I, it's, it evens out then. Yeah. That's even actually, <laughs> actually I helped her get her master's degree. So I tell everyone I have a master's degree. I was taking yeah. care of the kids and I was doing all of that while she was getting her master's. So, <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> so, um, okay. So I want to go into now, uh, how did the, now, how did the gig with the stars start? I mean, that's where you started off kind of getting, you were doing the board for them and you were doing the music. How did that start? Uh, yeah, doing the music for them. Like, uh, I guess, you know, the stars have always had kind of a, you know, being the fourth 
sport of a four sport market, you know, as right. like they've easily got the most rabid fans, but um, you know, they've always, it's always been kind of seen as kind of different being a hockey team in Dallas that they can be a little counter to, you know, the typical hockey culture and, you know, playing Oregon all throughout the game and just always playing classic rock, which obviously still has a place, but, you know, the stars were always trying to do things a little differently. And when they, they actually, I guess, had been interested in me when I was still at the ticket, but they kind of knew that, you know, there wasn't really a possibility with the timing of my shift there and all that, even though I wish I would have found, been able to find a way to make that work. That would have been kind of cool to, to do both. But um, when I left uh, the ticket, I got a call pretty soon after from Jeff K. Uh, you know, has been the PA guy for a few, for about a decade and uh, was the music director actually for the stars before me. And uh, said that they were looking to go in another direction and would I be interested? And I said, I, I, I guess like <laughs> I, I, I told him like, I don't know hockey very well, but I'd like to think that, I can learn if they're wanting to do things a little differently and, you know, be kind of, you know, creative and all that, then I'd hopefully be able to learn enough to be able to figure it out. And thankfully I was given enough grace to, to do that because there's absolutely a learning curve, you know, first just playing music for any sport, right. Especially a sport I don't know very well. And then adjusting to the things that you don't really pay attention to and, don't need to know about when you're just watching a game of like, you know, when do they take commercial breaks, you know, like going to, you know, the TV timeout as it's called and stuff like that. So, you know, that was the nice thing of being given a chance to learn on the job. And thankfully, you know, I picked it up pretty quick once I got going and had an absolute blast with it. You know, I've always been pretty good about interacting with fans, you know, from my time at the ticket and, then with stars, you know, having Twitter where people could, you know, reach out at any time and say, Hey, you know, what about playing this song? Or, you know, can I put in a request or whatever? And, you know, I, I did my best to, yeah. to fit them in, you know, if they fit, you know, whether it was, you know, during a game or pregame or whatever. And just, I can't imagine like the fact that I got to do that and, you know, the fact that people actually cared when I left and, you know, for me, there are a lot of uh, sports tears shed, as I like to say, like it was really tough kind of coming to the conclusion that I couldn't realistically do the stars and the Rangers both. Right. And the Rangers have had my heart for so long and Chuck's been my hero for forever. And, you know, just the opportunity was just, too awesome to to turn away but you know thankfully i'm still you know in great terms with the with the stars as well you know and uh shippy who's been you know who took over from me he's a, been a longtime friend and you know he's taken what i've done and ran with it and he's already doing you know picking things up that i i still struggled with seven seasons in right because you know i'm i'm not a true hockey guy like I learned and all that but you know there's, yes. it's some it's different when you know you're someone like Shippy who grew up with it and sure. you know, he was at the the 99 
Stanley Cup parade and all that. And so um, it's just, you know, it's been really cool seeing his evolution, but um, it was a hell of a fun seven seasons, if I can say that. Yeah, no, you can. Don't, yeah, don't worry about <laughs> you gotta it. Got to make sure, sorry. <laughs> no, no, we're good. Uh, no, so so Shippy takes over. You were there seven years. I didn't realize it was seven. I knew you there a while. And I understand fully what you're saying. Look, I'm, I love the Stars. I'm a Stars fan. I grew up in Duncan, Duncanville, Texas. I did not play hockey. And uh, I did. I, I I had to learn what the sport was. I'm a rabid fan, but you know, it's probably the sport I watch close behind the Rangers. I do watch football, but yep. that's once a week. But the Stars games, I watch almost like I do the Rangers. But if I miss one, I don't. But Ranger games, I never miss. I mean, I'm like you. I grew up 1974. I came to my first Ranger game. I was seven years nice. old. So I mean, I remember going from that far back. So I make a living doing something else. The fact I get to do this now is kind of cool. But you know what I'll remember, Groobs? So I know when you first got this gig, the way I found out, you know, you didn't know me. We'd kind of say, seen each other. We didn't know each other really. But we were over at Jared Sandler's fundraiser when he had had the flood. Now, you had, yeah. had you just found out, basically, you had got it. was close because you were talking to Sean, and I was listening, sitting there with y'all having a beer, and you were, and I said, what, what is it? And you looked at me and told me, <laughs> and you could see it in your eyes. You were like, it would be like me going, John, tomorrow you were going to be the play-by-play guy for the Texas Rangers, and I'm just going to be like, I would be going to everybody and go, are you kidding me? This is my dream. Euphoric. Yes. Oh, absolutely. uh, So, yeah. So if I remember right, the timing of that was uh, to give a quick backstory, you know, I've known Chuck for about 15 years, just he's a ticket P1 and he loved the drops that I played. And, you know, obviously I loved everything, love everything that he does with the Rangers. And so we built a a pretty cool friendship on that. But uh, shortly after taking over the, the gig with the stars, he kind of reached out to me about uh, a video position with the Rangers. And I told him, man, I, I'd like, I, I feel like I could learn, but I don't have experience with him. So he's like, Oh, no worries. Like, you know, we kind of have someone in mind. It's a full-time job. Like, you know, it's not really a learn on the go type of thing. And he, but then he said, however, you know, maybe we can come to a gentleman's agreement that sometime down the road, uh, you know, Chuck will, Chuck will be able to give up doing the music and the mixing and have me take that over for him. And I was like, holy crap, that's, uh, that's the, a dream. And so, you know, for the next seven years, we were in contact and, you know, it just never quite timed out right, you know, for whatever reasons. But then, you know, with the opening of the new park, Chuck is like, okay, I think it's time to bring you in and, you know, have, you know, lunch meeting with, uh, you know, him and Chris DeRicher, who's like his second in command. And uh, just to kind of make sure that we were a good fit because he right now, he sits six feet from me, you know, in the, the audio booth. So like, we got to get along. And so that was in 2019. And a couple months after that in August is when, Chuck had me in for about eight games over the last two months of the season. And so Jared's uh, fundraiser, I think was right uh, September. And so it hadn't been officially announced, but I, I yeah, you, yeah, you, about, you, you know, it, yeah, it wasn't announced yet. And you had said that you had said, it's not announced yet, but you were like, Oh yeah. You were up walking along like, on the clouds. Yeah. Like I, 
I didn't, an, I proved myself enough over a few games that it was going to be a good fit. And, and then it was really cool. Like a week or so later is when uh, Chuck tweeted it out. Like after a Ruge hit a, you know, no doubt home run and I, you know, played the natural and Chuck said something like a really great moment for the great grooves, you know, playing the, the natural on a, you know, a Ruge home run and, you know, looking forward to, you know, having them uh, take over at the new ballpark or something. Everybody, you know, on so- social media is like, oh, my God. Yeah. So that was, uh, yeah, it's been, I pretty much had that euphoric feeling for about a year and a half or two years now. So, oh, man, I, I, uh, it doesn't go away. And, you know, just still even seeing, you know, different things like, you know, uh, my mom on Facebook uh, made a, post about you know that recently where she's like you know michael grew up uh you know going to rangers games dreaming of playing for the rangers and doesn't get to play for but he gets to play music at the games gets to you know live his dream and it's like you know another like try to hold back tears moment where it's just it's uh you know it's more than a job which is really really cool it's a passion and it's you know a lot of my free time probably more than is uh, healthy is spent, you know, just picking out new songs, putting, uh, organizing the music and all that. And it's just been a blast. I can't, well, we're going to get into that in a second. I can't wait to do that. Now, you know, last year you, you garnered a lot of attention last year because of COVID and the fact that you were now, I mean, look, your job description when you were, were hired was not, Oh, by the way, and you need to be able to create <laughs> crowd noise because of an empty stadium and you did not know that but what was that like i mean i mean all of a sudden there were national stories there were people writing about you i mean that had to be just kind of wow i mean your position became i think your position's important anyway entertainment in a ballpark during between innings walk up that's so important and i remember going up into the press box where chuck was and he sat around that whole thing he sat in there and had to his look like his fingers were going everywhere yeah, doing every shuttle yeah that he was in so i mean it but it was really a big deal and i mean tell me what that was like well it was weird first of all <laughs> like uh you know for so many reasons like first off was being thankful that they considered it important enough to have me work because you know i know that a lot of people that work for the team it was just there was no work for them to have but right. you know it was kind of determined pretty early on first by the rangers you know and chuck that the players are going to need music and, and the crowd noise, like even before MLB uh, decided that that was going to be the standard Chuck and the Rangers management said that we need to get, you know, the crowd noise going. And so I went through old Fox Southwest broadcasts or sorry, Bally sports Southwest broadcast. Got to, got to be correct. They're my employer. Yes. Um, as of but, two days ago, three days ago. Yeah, you are yeah. now Bally Sports. <laughs> but going through and getting, you know, sounds of the crowd, you know, so being able to, you know, supplement uh, or organize Dustin Tatro's tracks, you know, the Let's Go Rangers adding in the little, yeah, you know, claps and cheers and chants. And then, you know, with the stuff that MLB provided, it definitely supplemented that really well with, uh, you know, it's, it sounded more full. There were more like true reactions and stuff like that. But, you know, when Chuck first told me about it, it's like, it made total sense. And obviously I felt like it made the most sense for me to do it because, 
first off, I wasn't having to run the mixing board as well. If I had to do all three of those, I'd probably have been crying. And, yeah. you know, just like Chuck said, you know, kind of same thing where if I wasn't there, he would have been just stressed to the max because of all the stuff that he would do. And to add crowd noise on top of that would have been just brutal. But um, once I kind of got the hang of it, which thankfully it wasn't too difficult, just again, being a Rangers fan, being, sure. uh, you know, someone that has a pretty good feel for baseball and, you know, working crowds and all that, you know, I kind of figured out a pretty decent way of doing it where I was able to supplement without it just being constant, just, you know, you know, like just, right. uh, you know, a hiss throughout the whole thing. Right. And like, as the season went on, like, you know, react using fewer reactions and stuff, you know, every strike didn't need, you know, a reaction like, you know, in a real game, it would probably be, you know, a pitch would get a reaction in some form just about every time. But, you know, when no one there, it's like, you know, the players understand that, like, you know, we've got to do this and it, it helps them too, because it's, you know, one of the players I think said it felt like a morgue when we tried to do like a, a inter squad game with just nothing. Yeah. And they were like, it's too weird guys. Like, you know, yeah, we definitely want to keep that. And, you know, just uh, getting to, to do it for the 30 Rangers games. And then, you know, to kind of lead into, you know, the NLCS and the world series. And yeah, that was cool. Uh, yeah, man. And thankfully, uh, you know, by the second game of the NLCS, when we had fans in the building, we kind of figured out, okay, the me playing the crowd noise is just, it's not necessarily not necessary because Global Life Field is super loud, even with yeah twenty percent capacity or yeah whatever uh, it was yeah yeah twenty or twenty five and um you know so then being able to just concentrate on the music and all that because I was having to be essentially the other you know the this other team's DJ you know I'm not being the Rangers DJ right you know I'm trying to sound exactly like the Dodgers or the Rays or the Braves or the Padres. And so that was another different mindset of having to go to. And yeah, it was a, a weird, fun, interesting year that I hope we never have to repeat. Yeah. But at least I know I can do it if something, God forbid, happens where we do. Yeah. But, and and, and yeah. let's just all pray that never has to happen. Because I think we both agree. We sat there last year. You and I both got the privilege of being able to be in that that beautiful ballpark last year. And all I could think was, God, it really sucks that you people that, that people can't come to this thing. I mean, this is amazing. And I just – I'm so ready. For Monday, I'm so excited to just be in the stands. I don't care. I think, or tomorrow. It is tomorrow, right? Yeah, this yes, is Sunday, yes. <laughs> guys. We've just watched the Rangers win their very first game for y'all that are wondering when we're recording this. So, but, yes. but man, you did a great job. I, I remember it, it, it even for, because I went, I mean, you would walk around the stadium, even just when we did the tour of the stadium and all of that, but when it, it felt like we were at a game when you could hear something. I mean, I didn't care. It, just the fact you could hear it, that, that was really, really cool. Now, let me, let's ask about your day and how your day goes. So, you'll, to, you'll have a 7.05 normal start. We're not talking about an afternoon. Tell me how it goes. What time are you up? What time are you at the ball game? What time, what, how does your day go? Uh, it's, I'm not great about having routines necessarily, but 
Uh, you know, for a seven o'clock game, I'm usually at the ballpark by about 3.45 to make sure that I'm there in time to run uh, the Rangers batting practice music and then, you know, to just kind of do whatever extra little prep, like, you know, Chuck will send me, uh, you know, any new player walk-up song requests and stuff like that. But during the day, like, you know, the nice thing is I did a lot of work over the last year, you know, just kind of organizing things and bringing in new music and it never ends, but, um, you know, it's kind of putting finishing touches or, oh, I still need to get this if I, you know, have something in my little notes to, to, you know, a piece of music to get or something. But, um, you know, that's, the main thing is just kind of centered around making sure I get to the ballpark in time and, uh, <laughs> you know, all that, but, you know, a typical day, like I try, I'm usually up by about eight or nine, like sometimes seven, just thankfully, you know, with the jobs that I've got, you know, mostly at night, I don't really have to set an alarm. Like I'm setting one tomorrow, even though it's a three o'clock game, just to be extra safe because a little bit bigger of a day. Yeah. Um, but yeah, for a seven o'clock game, it's, there's, you know, that's a good, five hours if needed to, you know, work on whatever I need to. And, you know, if there are little things that get emailed to me that I need to, to work on, but you know, the nice thing about it is like, you know, I can kind of take a whole day, like, a, you know, there are some days where I'll take 18 hours, probably just sitting at my computer, probably thankfully haven't made my ears bleed yet, but, you know, just listening to music, like figuring out, different situations in my mind of, you know, if there's sacrifice bond, if there's this, if, if the ball ball rolls a certain way, can I play something? And, you know, it's just all these different little things where it might be five years before I play the track that I brought in for that specific situation, but I know that I'll be ready for it. But but you've got it. Right. Yeah. So that's kind of the nice thing with, uh, you know, Chuck, obviously, you know, he'd, I've got 38 years worth of history of Chuck's music and, you know, stuff that he would do and traditions and, you know, none of that's going away or changing. Um, So for me, it's just kind of building out the library more and more where it's, you know, Chuck did so much work and still does so much work that, you know, I'm kind of treating this as if Chuck had, you know, full days of only having to worry about music, what would he be doing and what would he be bringing in? Because Chuck is just the busiest guy that I know because yeah, he's, he's still getting into the ballpark at 9 a.m. for a seven o'clock game. You know, he's VP of everything and right. all that. And so, you know, I'm basically just trying to, like I said, treat it like, if Chuck only had to worry about the music and just the music didn't have to worry about, Oh, is the mixer on the Fritz today is his microphone messed up, whatever, like, right. Um, you know, what would I do? And it's, that's the only thing that Chuck told me was, you know, his only asking me is, you know, keep cotton eye Joe in the natural and, you know, just otherwise make it feel like a Rangers game has always felt. And so there'll be, you know, tracks that haven't maybe been played at a game before, but that should, you know, totally fit the situation the of a Rangers game. Yeah. Yes. Like I'm not all of a sudden going to be playing, you know, 
heavy Norwegian death metal <laughs> like I might have at a Stars game. Yeah. You know, at a Rangers game. And like I saw, I know that there were some people that kind of worried about that where they're like, oh man, we got groups coming over from the Ranger, from the Stars. Like, are we just going to get all, you know, heavy metal? It's like, no, like I've worked enough different sports and events and yeah. all that. It's like, you know, and even going back to the ticket, like when I worked for Bad Radio and the Hardline, those shows didn't sound the same, even though it had the same guy playing drops and all that. And, right. you know, just always trying to carry that mindset of fit what you're working with and not make it fit you. And, you know, thankfully I'm pretty adaptable. Like if I have one decent trait uh, or skill, it's being able to pick up on stuff like that of like, what's kind of expected from the crowd of, you know, when they're at a stars game, or Rangers game or yeah. Mavs or whatever, uh, you know, it's not, well, this is how I do things. And so, <laughs> you know, y'all have to deal with it. That's just, that's never been how I work. And so I'm, I'm a Chuck cover band, but hopefully like the best quality, like Emerald city, uh, level, you yeah. know, uh, cover band and, you know, being a Rangers fan, getting to, you know, play the natural or play the, you know, the, the Zorba, the Greek, which is, you know, that kind of horns, uh, that building thing, da, yeah. da, da, you know, and just, yeah. uh, getting to do all that stuff. Like, I, I don't think that thrill is ever going to go away. So it's just really exciting. Well, like I tell, told my kids over and over, when you do something you love, you never work a day in your life. And that's the truth. And look, I love what I do during the day. I'm in the real estate business and do that. And if I am living a lot of Ranger dreams, uh, my my wife says the same thing your mom says. He's living his best life. I get to cover the Rangers. I get to do the podcast. I get to do things most people don't get to do. I'm lucky it fell into me. I'm having a blast. And I'm just, you know, that's why I stay out of the way. You get paid to do it. It's fantastic. And you can't help but when, you, when I feel what I feel just getting to do this, I look at guys like you that were lifelong Ranger fans because I come at it as a fan. I don't have to ask the tough questions in the in the press box or in the in the clubhouse. I don't have to ask that. People ask me that. Why don't you ask him this? It's because I am a Ranger fan, so I don't have to ask that question. I can just get some tape and 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 ask the questions I want. I don't have to ask the hard ones. So I know yeah. how happy you are, and it's so fun to see that. Now you and Chuck, do you have a meeting before every game, or? Uh, we see each other before every game, but there's not really a true meeting like. Again, I think we just I know I I have a good enough feel for what I'm supposed to be doing that, you know, if there's a bark in the at the park night or, you know, a, a special theme night, like Chuck doesn't have to he knows he doesn't have to tell me, hey groups, we we need Star Wars music tonight or right. whatever. Um and, you know, like I usually get the the script, you know, uh a couple hours before the game. So if there are any questions i can always check with chuck or chris derisher and just double check that i'm on the same page with them which right not to brag i usually am just again just from kind of knowing how these things how games go right um so you know chuck's always good about swinging by the control room to say hi to everybody and we'll usually sit for a couple minutes and talk just you know kind of catching up on stuff and most times just talking about friend stuff like it's yeah, not work stuff, but excuse me, that's embarrassing. No. Uh, did you do? I'm sorry. Well, I, I didn't I, hear it. 
Okay, maybe it didn't make it. I burped up for a moment. <laughs> I'm That's, professional. This is two guys, I, man. I, I don't I care. I had that mute button right in front of me, too. <laughs> um, but, yeah, but, again, that's the the great thing with Chuck is, you know, he's so easy to work with, such a great guy. and Such a guy. Know, God, he's so, yeah. nice. such, so nice. So that's the nice thing is, you know, it's kind of pretty informal on, on my side of things where, you know, I know what time I need to be in. I know what time – you know, the Rangers batting practices. I know what time the opponent batting practices. I'm usually just kind of sitting in the booth, you know, organizing stuff or just watching batting practice. Cause yeah. it's still really cool to do that. Yeah. Um, and so I'm not really being caught by surprise on anything. And then especially once I get the script and can see, okay, we're doing this in the in between innings. Oh, I should probably double check, but you know, it's, it's nothing super, chaotic or anything like that and you know especially again with i've got i've got in chuck's entire library of yeah. stuff so it's like there aren't a whole lot of surprises if it's you know uh, a night that they've had before if they've had a game of thrones night or whatever like i've got all those all those tracks and bark at the park like i just right. have those organized and you know hopefully can you know i'm always trying to add on to them but even if I'm totally unprepared for something, I know that I can at least count on a few tracks being in there and then being sure. able to supplement, you know, as needed. Sure. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this. So it, from the, from the ticket to the stars, to the Rangers, to everything you've done, you have gotten to meet a lot of great players, people that you never probably thought you'd ever be able to meet. I'm in the same position. I've gotten to meet these guys now that I never thought who is the coolest person you've ever, you were just like sitting there going, my goodness. Like, and I know you don't want to, out of all the guys you become buddies with, you're not trying to leave one out or whatever, but like, and an instance is, you know, the, um, Jim Palmer bumped into me and apologized in the press box and said, Oh man, I'm sorry. And I was like, I turned around. I was like, Oh my gosh, that's Jim yeah. Palmer. And I sat at a table eating with him. I mean, that's just to me, nice. that was weird, you know? And so, <laughs> but and meeting all you guys has been just strange. Cause you know, we all see each other up in the press box or whatever, walking, getting food or whatever. Well, who's the person you're like, I cannot believe I got to meet this guy. Man. Uh, there's a lot of them. I know. There's definitely a lot of them. Like, I really do think that Mike Reiner and Chuck Morgan are probably the two of the top pretty easily, like partly because, you know, without Mike, you know, there's no ticket. And without the ticket, I'm not getting the opportunity to then work with Chuck and all that. Right. But, you know, because of Chuck, when I was going to games back as a kid, you know, and Ed would point out that, Oh, you know, when Juan Gonzalez is coming up to bat, they're playing the Imperial March for Star Wars, or right. you know, Pudge throws out a runner. He's playing another one by Sadus. I was like, that's really cool, and you know, just kind of having that little thing in the back of my mind of, oh, you can actually kind of make a living doing that. And um, you know, I'd say otherwise, like uh, Jose Trevino has become. I don't want to make it sound like best friends or anything but like you know especially from our time with the rough riders and now he's with the rangers but like you know when i saw him at jared's thing uh yeah you know we went in for a hug and you know with the rough riders a few years ago i played in some celebrity softball tournament which tells you how much they were <laughs> stretching the boundaries on that but uh jose was like had just gotten done with a workout or something and was just uh, out in center field watching it and 
you know, uh, he was like the, the field MC went out there to talk to him and then was like, uh, you know, asked Jose something like, who's your favorite player on the field or who are you cheering for? And Jose's like, my man groups so like, Holy crap. Like, he, <laughs> you know, he, like he, he does kind of like me or, you know, he, and all that. And Jose's just, you know, I think partly also because he's a catcher. Like that's the, that's what you were. Position. Right? Yeah. And was never very good, but you know, he's the type of catcher I was wanting to be like, you know, the guy that everybody trusts that, yep. you know, he's there for you. He's there, you know, to make you be the best pitcher you can be and the best teammate that he can be. And, you know, I just admire him so much and, you know, getting to see him, uh, you know, on uh, father's day a few years ago oh, when he God. got the game winning hit, like that was just the coolest thing. And so, you know, for multiple reasons, I think Trevino's up there and, you know, then, you know, there are other guys like I've gotten to meet Pudge a few times, you know, yeah. just, uh, you know, he, I think he kind of recognizes me, but he doesn't totally know who I am. But that's okay. But like, you know, he was obviously the catcher that I grew up emulating and sure. came nowhere close other than being pudgy. Um, <laughs> but, you know, there's just that the really cool thing about this market, and maybe there's some bias because I've never moved away, is people know how awesome it is to be in this market. Like pretty much if you're, able to get a decent job here you're not leaving yeah you know there's not really you can go to new york or something like that but i don't know dfw's got just obviously more of a a not big city feel where it's like but everything you, know, thinking, you can do yeah yeah and thinking of all the different people that i've gotten to meet just because of you know the jobs that i've had and then it's like oh you're working here now or you know whatever and just uh all these great connections that I've been able to make with some really, really cool people. And I get to include you in that. And it's, yeah. uh, but it's, I, it's just you're, now, now I'm, I'm, I'm kind of like, you thought you were at the celebrity tournament there. I'm at the, <laughs> no, I, I th look uh, you. I ran into you at a Frisco game one year when you were doing the mm -hmm. DJ and out there and, and that was back before I had credentials to do anything. And I mean, seeing you stop, you stopped down and talked to me and we were just talking like we knew each other. And I was asking you and you were doing, I think you were doing uh DJing on weekends or something. You were doing oh, some like parties party out there. At the, party at the yard. Yeah. Thursday yeah. nights. And, and so um, I saw you, I was like, hey, there's grooves and you stopped and we sat there and <laughs> talked for a minute. But I mean, now we've seen each other a few times and, right. and now we'll have a beer if we're at the same place and that's cool. But that it's so neat that, you know, I'm, I want to, I wanted to ask you this question before we, we get out of here. I don't want to keep you too long. We got to, I got family stuff too going on, but, um, so there's this story about Dirk buying your, your parents' house. Now the rumor is he just drove up to it, saw it, walked to the front door and said, I want to buy your house. Tell me the inside scoop. What is that true? What is the story there? And that's pretty accurate. Um, you know, and my parents had no intentions of moving from it. Like they kind of saw that as the place they were going to retire in and sure. all that. But Dirt kind of just kept coming back with offers. And, you know, my parents had a number in mind and he eventually met it and it all kind of worked out because that was right around, uh, right before the recession hit back in 08. And so you right. know, my parents were able to kind of, you know, cash come in out of it. Yeah. Come out of it pretty clean. And, uh, you know, obviously, 
you know, it's a really cool story and I've gotten to meet Dirk a couple times. And of course, like, because of, you know, the ticket, he would come on with bad radio every year sure. and they would always ask him about it. And, you know, it's, <laughs> it's really cool and weird. And it's like, I tell people like, I didn't get any money out of it. If yeah, I yeah. Did, like you, you probably would have never seen me again, Yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, but you know, it's, it's really cool. And it just, you know, I, personally, it does add a extra weird layer to just everything else that's weird about my career yeah. because it's in some ways, you know, it's these kind of behind the scenes jobs that I've had, sure. you know, the whole time, but for whatever reasons I've gotten to have some amount of, name recognition and yeah unfortunately people know what my face looks like now and <laughs> no one should have to see that but it's just uh it's like i said it's just all part of this weird journey that i've gotten to to go on and hopefully it'll continue for another 30 40 years hopefully retiring from the rangers and oh yeah it's like i've kind of told people like i've got a really uh <clears throat> really nice job going with Valley Sports Southwest as an audio guy there where, you know, it's flexible where I can tell them, hey, I'm not available because of Rangers games and it's not a problem, but, you know, they're happy to have me in and, you know, when I'm available and it's awesome working with them and then the Rangers just, it's, I don't want to do anything else. And so it's like at 35, it kind of feels a little worrisome of, you know, I'm, I'm never going to be complacent, but <clears throat> just feeling a level of all the uh, the decisions and choices I've made leading into it, even if they weren't always the, the easiest or the smartest, worked out well enough to, you know, have me where I am today. And I don't want to be doing any, anything else. I don't want to work anywhere else. I don't want to live anywhere else. And again, all the people that I've gotten to meet from all of this, like as someone that if I didn't have these jobs would probably just try to find a work from home, like never have human <laughs> contact with anyone, uh, you know, somewhat shy, introverted, like to be able to have this opportunity to kind of get to live a certain, you know, way that is just really fun. And I get to entertain people and be authentic and you know be myself it's been really really cool and you know i've hopefully not annoyed too many people even though i know that that is definitely a part of my personality that i work on <laughs> you know still uh i'm trying i promise but it's just been uh, a really really cool nearly 20 years in this business or whatever you want to call it, but in sports, being in sports. Yeah, yeah. You've been in sports. Listen, groups, this has been fantastic. I'm going to get you to do a plug real quick before I get you out of here. So what I want you to do is right, you know, just identify yourself, Michael Groob, Groob's Gruber, and you're <laughs> listening to the Rangers nation podcast. All right. Hey everyone. This is Michael Groob's Gruber, and you are listening to the Rangers nation podcast.
That's it. Hey, Yay. Groobs, thanks for coming on, man. This has been a blast. I've been dying to do this just to hear all about what you did last year. I love that you're living your best life. It's so much fun. I get to do it on a limited basis, which is fun for me. I know I'm going to see you at the yard uh, out there plenty of times. That's Michael Gruber, Groobs to everybody else from Texas Ranger or Valley Sports Southwest. And like I say at the end of every one of these and everything I write, nerd out. <laughs> <laughs>